Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Well, when I speak up, I trust that God speaks up. When I speak out, that God speaks out. And that would be true for us one at a time. We're closing out the series on our New Day Dawning. What a new day to uh, convey just by our own enthusiasm and excitement to new senior pastor, Craig Giergo. What a deal. I can't tell you how excited I am to have this man with his family come and take the reins of Christ Church. Our staff are very, very excited. A whole new day beginning. And I trust that for one or two of you here this morning, it's going to be a brand new day too. A new day dawning. For you, just you. We kind of sit in a big church, big space, big sound, big music, big production. I mean, what the staff pulled together here Sunday by Sunday and our band of musicians and choir here as, as well, is quite extraordinary. And it's all what God has done and is doing. And there are special times and moments, however, in that kind of continuum where God moves in. The New Testament has, in its original language, two different words for time because they express two different concepts of time. One is chronos, which you can easily hear in that the word chronological. And I believe they may still call that sort of tick-tock thing when you're learning piano lessons a chronometer. Something that just measures time passing. So chronology is just the order of things. Time passing, that's one kind of time. The other word is kairos. And that has a huge concept of a moment in time by which the rest of your time is transformed. A moment in time that changes your personal history and or world history. I grew up during the Second World War. I'm that old. And it's amazing to me because I still feel as young as Craig Giergo. Yes, I do. Yes. I don't look that good. But I used to. (laughs) 
Ah, yes. And I want to point out that back in my childhood, I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I know the history now, Winston Churchill, that great hero in Great Britain of the Second World War, was called by His Majesty King George VI to Buckingham Palace to take over a unified government, a coalition government, to fight against Nazi Germany. And in his memoirs, Churchill says, as he was driven into the forecourt of Buckingham Palace to go and meet the king, he knew why he was there. And he said of that moment, as he drove into the forecourt, that this was the moment for which all his life had been but a preparation. That moment changed history, world history, our history, the United States of America, let alone England and the rest of Europe. One man, Churchill, who became that amazing leader of the free world against Nazi Germany. On a much more simpler basis, I remember absolutely the moment I first set my eyes on my wife. It was in Colorado. It was at a ranch. Ranch, as you say. <laughs> Talking about the same thing there. And this girl came down and sat at the table opposite me, big round table, about 10 of us at the table. She came in a bit late, but when she sat down, I had to be cool. I couldn't just stare. But she had my undivided attention. And within six months, we were married. How about that? Six months. And most of that time we were separated because she was working on the West Coast and I was living, traveling, operating on the East Coast. A moment in time that changes history. We've had such a moment here today at Christchurch. We voted in Craig Geergo as our senior pastor. That wasn't just a chronological thing happening. That was a Kairos moment for us as we now prepare to hand over the reins to him to be our pastor and leader, and I trust for the next 20, 30 years. So he will see you married, your children brought to the Lord and grow up and get married. All that happens in a chronological order. But the special moment of his being called. If you weren't here, you missed it. Because just as you gave acclamation of his being here and being called, the whole congregation stood and cheered as they met him up here, <coughs> excuse me, and his family. Now, I want to come to another moment in time. The close of this dawning of a new day series has brought us to John's Gospel, chapter 3, and verse 16. 
And if you're not aware of it, you will be by the time we're done, that that is a climactic, spectacular way to finish this early series in John's Gospel. So we've made our way through chapter 1, chapter 2, we're into chapter 3, and down to verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. For some of you here this morning, this is going to be a moment in time that will change the rest of your history, not just here on earth, but for eternity. You will step from hell to heaven, from darkness to light, from death to life, from lonely emptiness to a fulfilled family relationship in the church of Jesus Christ. That's going to happen here this morning for some of you. And even as I say it, you have an awareness that it might just be you. To explain this, I want to take you to the border of Russia and Ukraine back in 1991. I was there with about 30 Americans... We had traveled down into deep southern Russia, a town called Rostov-Nadam on the Black Sea. We'd spent a week there, and then we, and it was a two-day ride on a train, an overnight railway train ride from Kiev down to Rostov-Nadam. And we were anticipating a two-day ride back where we had other meetings set up arena meetings in soccer stadiums and large auditoriums in order to share the gospel. Amazing things were happening when the war came down in Germany. The doors opened wide and many of us from the West went in with the gospel. That's what that busload of Americans was about. One of them, in fact, a retired general in the Marines. I know they say they never retire if they're in the Marines, but this guy at least was out of uniform and what I would call retired. He was part of that entourage. We got word that our tickets back into Ukraine on the railway train had been summarily cancelled, like they're no good to you anymore. You've bought them, you own them, but there's no ride back in. Reason being, there was trouble in Moscow. There was real pushback on this openness, this glasnost, as it was called. There were actually fires shot shot into from a tank into the Moscow, the equivalent of the White House there. I remember a picture of Yeltsin, who was like some major dignitary. He wasn't the premier. But he was big time, and he was standing on that tank making some kind of speech. We didn't know it at the time, but that got rid of our tickets, and we were just stranded. We foraged around, found an old bus that we could rent. It wasn't even like an American school bus. This thing was junk. It was amazing that it made it. It actually leaked 
It was a rainy night. So as we're driving back up through Russia to get to the Ukrainian border, I'm sleeping on the back of the bus as we get to the border, laid out on the back seat, hoping to get some sleep. You know, I was the primary preacher of a series of meetings. The general who was with us said, we may not get back in to Ukraine because they shut down the borders when there's some crisis. So a Russian traveling with us went up to the border first in his little Russian car that was trailing with us and said, please let these Americans through. They've brought humanitarian aid and they've got this very famous American speaker, me, who we've got to get back into Ukraine for large rallies and meetings. They came back to the bus. They woke me up. When we told them there was a famous American speaker, they said they wanted to hear him speak. So I gathered myself together, got my Bible, went out there. We all got off the bus, walked up to the border, and there they had lined up about a dozen um, amazing young men in uniform with their rifles, one up on a concrete uh, kind of base higher than we were with something like an AK-47. They wanted to hear me speak. And the senior officer had lined up these other men to hear me speak, young men who'd endured whatever years they were, 20, 25 or so. But Russia had been at that point into, into about 70 years of atheism. And they want to hear me speak. I took my Bible and said, I want to share with you the single most important statement from this book, God's Word. And it's the one that's on the screen behind me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, the son, should not perish, that's go to hell, but have eternal life in glory, in heaven. I said those words which were translated into Russian. I can say to you in Russian, Nyet... No, I can't say it. It's gone right from me. I can say, I don't speak Russian. Nyet gavarit paruski. I don't speak Russian. So, phrase by phrase, if you can imagine it, they're going to hear me preach, speak. Well, if it takes me 10 minutes in English, it's going to take at least 20 minutes with the translation. 10 minutes of me, 10 minutes of these other statements. We're standing at a border. How long are these guys going to stand there and listen? God gave me, I have to say, in all honor to him, God took over and gave me a boldness and a directness about explaining that verse, John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16, piece by piece. So, God 
loves the world. God so loved the world. And then I said right at them, you've been told there is no God. And you know it's a lie. You know there must be a God. And here I'm telling you from God's word that he loves you. If he loves the world, get this, if he loves the world, he has to love us one at a time. Love cannot be impersonal. If God loves the world, he loves us one by one, one at a time. So I went right along the row of these guys, looked them right in the eyes and pointed at them. God loves you. 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 Each time I said it, it was said in Russian. Then I say, let me tell you now how much he loves you. He sent his son. How do you begin to convey that? God sending his son because he loves the world. His only begotten son. Really God in the flesh as we've been studying John's gospel. How do you convey that? And then I remembered th this was all a gift from God. I won't keep saying that, but it was like the lights go on. 1991. That was the year. 1991. I said, do you know where that number comes from? You call it the common era. Back west. Back in the free world. We know that that number dates from when God sent his son. That's where that number comes from. 1991 years ago, God sent his son into the world as a baby. And he lived for 30 years in anonymity, nobody knowing who he was. And then the last three years of his life, he went high profile started teaching, gathering crowds, and the crowds gathered because he healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, raised the dead, gave dignity back to prostitutes, fed the hungry. He became so popular, the authorities determined they had to get rid of him. Well, they kind of nodded. They know how that works in Russia. He became so popular they did determine to get rid of him, put him through a phony trial. Wouldn't Russians be aware of that? And executed. But the way they killed him was spread him out on a crossbeam of wood. I wasn't just throwing around the word like word like crucifixion or crucify. They laid him out, drew out his hands, knelt on his forearms, put a spike in the base of his hand, slammed a nail on it and drove it through his hand. And then in an agony as they're doing that, a man would curl up his feet like in the fetal position. They drag down his feet, kneel on his shins, and drive a spike through his feet. Hoist up that cross beam of wood, drop it in a hole in the ground, and leave him there to die. But in the wonder of God's love, his son came in order to take upon himself all the sin and filth and wickedness and perversity of our lives, took the guilt of it, the judgment of it, 
the hell of it, that we might be forgiven. And then I went right back down the line again. I mean, I'd love to do that with this church. Line you all up, walk by you one at a time and say, that's how much God loves you. 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 And then you come to that phrase that whoever believes in him. You realize we're tra traversing huge tracts of theology, Christian teaching, in just a few moments. What do you say about believing? How do you convey that? Again, God came through. Listen to this. They call in Russia, and still do to this day, the first day of the week, our Sunday, they call it in Russian, Vaskrasenia. Some of you with Russian roots here or Eastern Orthodox roots know what that word means. Vaskrasenia. Resurrection Day. Can you imagine that the Russians in all their deep-dyed, murderous atheism left the first day of the week with the name Resurrection Day. So I say to these soldiers, do you know where that name comes from? Resurrection Day. Do you know why you call the first day of the week Resurrection Day? Because in history, three days after they killed Jesus, the first day of the week was the day he was raised from the dead. And you Russians have been calling it Resurrection Day forever in commemoration of Jesus coming back to life. It was like you were, they were stunned because they knew it was Resurrection Day. But what? Jesus is alive. And I said this, and the reason we can believe in him is because he is alive and real belief in Jesus, and I want every one of you to get that right here, right now, is not just to have the information in your head. Not just to have the statement of faith that says, on the third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's knowledge in the head. Faith, believing, and this is what I'm telling these soldiers, is to receive Jesus into your life. A living Jesus. And Jesus is alive at the border for you men, one at a time, to receive Jesus. You can ask him to come into your life. He's alive here. And he loves you. And he died for you, and you can ask him, the living Jesus, who you can't see, but he's here, to come into your life. And I wasn't quite sure where to go after I'd done that. I mean, what do you do? They're standing looking at me. I said, look, we're going to speak to God. He's here, and I'm going to speak on your behalf. When I talk to him, you can take the words I say and make them your own. So I said, the way we do that is shut your eyes to close out any distraction. Bow your heads in reverence to his presence. Well, the guys all did it. I'm looking at them. They did it. 
So I close my eyes and start speaking to Jesus on behalf of these men. I said something as simple as this, and bear in mind it's translated into Russian. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for taking on yourself all the judgment I deserved. Thank you for coming to meet me at the border tonight. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. I give myself to you. Fill me with yourself. Forgive me my sin and give to me the gift of eternal life. Well, next thing we know, they say, you can come on through. I didn't preach to get there. That was just something that God gave them at that moment and for me to say. When they heard we had Bibles on our bus in Russian, they all wanted one. So now we're walking back to the bus to get these Bibles for the Russian soldiers and they're walking with us. And one fell in stride beside me. And as we're walking side by side, and I've got my interpreter there, in the syntax of Russian, like the way they put a sentence together, this is what was translated and said to me by one of the guards who's walking with me in English. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. Whoa. One man walking beside me got it. I don't know about the rest. This is the moment. You know what kind of time that is. Kairos time. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. That's true for you. Many of you here right now. The moment for which all your life hitherto has been waiting. I'm going to ask you right now to close your eyes to shut out any distraction. I'm going to speak to God on your behalf. And you can make my prayer to him your prayer. And for one or two of you, or six of you, this is a moment in time by which you will be lifted out of hell with a home made for you in heaven. Out of the darkness and misery of all your guilt and sin into a bright new day of light and life and forgiveness and the joy of that forgiveness, the gift of eternal life in Jesus. So let me ask you to use your imagination with your eyes closed. If you're watching by television or screen, do the same thing. And see Jesus coming to you. Just you and Jesus. And he loves you. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me as much right now as when you died on the cross for me. Thank you for coming to me today, knocking at the door of my life, wanting to come in. And I've known it 
for the longest time, Lord, that you want in on my life. And I've held you at a distance, wanting to cling to my sinfulness, rebellion against you, consumed by doubt. I want to lay all that aside, Lord, and turn from it and ask you to come into my life and fill me with yourself. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me all my sin. Give me a new beginning. Lift the burden of guilt and misery off my back. Lighten, bring light to my life joy to my soul. Give me a new day today and forever, Lord Jesus, as I turn my life over to you. Thank you. Thank you for your promise that when I ask you to come in, you will come in. I'm counting on that. And even right now, experiencing that forgiveness and newness of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus.